being good at email. Hello, cubicle communicators, open space senders, <laughs> corner office autoresponders, home den deleters, and coffee shop BCCers. My name is Brock Armstrong, and I am not the workplace hero. Although, at this rate, I'm pretty sure that we're both going to arrive at that title at the same time. Now, before we get started, a little housekeeping. Do you know that there are near verbatim transcripts of all the podcasts, well, except for one or two, over at workplacehero.me? It's true, because I know that the majority of you are listening to this podcast while you're on the bus, or you're in your car, or you're at the gym, or you're otherwise not near a pencil and paper. So, to take the onus off of you, to have to try to remember all the important parts and the links and the URLs and stuff, I'm making it easy. The only thing you need to remember about this episode is the URL workplacehero.me slash email. Slick, eh? And while you're on that website, you can also sign up for the newsletter, you can listen to past episodes, and you can also find some links to other fun stuff that I do, like skywalkerfitness.ca, where I coach people for marathons and triathlons. And of course, my other podcast, the Get Fit Guy podcast. Anyway, check out workplacehero.me slash email. I think you'll like it. Okay, now, on to our email. You know, when I think about it, I'm pretty sure that I got my first email address back in, I think it was 1996. And for you internet nerds out there, yes, it was a CompuServe address. And the one that I got right after that was a PowerSurfer address. How cool is that? Anyway, back then, all I could really do was send messages to my buddy Ken in Toronto, but it was still pretty cool and new and exciting. But now, when I do my best to try not to get a new email address every time I start a new contract, I find myself clicking reply, typing a few words and hitting send without giving so much as a thought of what I've just written. I actually tend to answer the majority of my emails while I'm having my first cup of coffee, so please excuse the typos. Experts agree that your email behavior has the potential to sabotage your reputation, both personally and professionally. Inc.com wrote a story with some of the industry's most seasoned email experts, which had them weigh in on how to perfect your email etiquette. And we'll take a look at those suggestions in a minute, but right now, I want to clear something up. I have two very different and distinct email personalities. Let's call them Jean-Luc and Kirk. Jean-Luc uses full sentences. He chooses his words carefully, always includes niceties, and he signs off with a signature that includes other ways to contact him. Kirk, well, let me put it this way. Kirk will put the entirety of a message in the subject line if it will fit. He also thinks that boom is a perfectly reasonable response to a lengthy email, and roger that is all that needs to be said to a client who just gave him an order. Now, the reason I bring this up is that I believe there is a time and a place for both of these email weirdos. I have clients like Jean-Luc, who I know prefer me to address them by their name, wish them a happy Monday, and love it when I ask about their plans for the weekend. But then I have clients who are like Kirk, and also agree that boom is a perfectly acceptable response, and regularly use the subject line as if it were a telegraph in an old-timey railway station. 
and those same people would probably be more inclined to just delete a long and extensive email than they would be to read it. So what I'm going to primarily dive into today is the Jean-Luc email archetype, not because I think he's better or more correct, but because the Kirks, well, they really don't give a crap as long as they know that you're on the job and that they are one step closer to inbox zero. So with that said, let's take a look at what the experts said over at Inc.com. Now, number one, only discuss public matters. And we've all heard the stories about private email that end up being passed around the entire company and in some cases all over the internet. One of the most important things to consider when it comes to email etiquette is whether the matter that you're discussing is a public one or something that should be talked about probably behind closed doors. Now ask yourself if the topic being discussed is something you write on company letterhead or post on a bulletin board for all the world to see before you hit send. Now number two, briefly introduce yourself. Don't assume the person receiving your email knows who you are or remembers meeting you. If you are uncertain whether the recipient recognizes your email address or name, include a simple reminder of who you are in relation to that person that you're reaching out to. A formal and extensive biography of yourself is probably not necessary. Number three, don't email angry. <laughs> they say the same thing about going to bed, but emailing with bad news, firing a client or a vendor, expressing anger, reprimanding someone, disparaging other people in emails, particularly if you're saying something less than kind about your boss or superior, are all major don'ts. Because email can seem so informal, you know, many people fall into this trap. Always remember that email correspondence lasts forever and it lacks the nuance and the emotion of a real tete-a-tete. -tete. Number four, use exclamation points sparingly. The maximum number of exclamation points in a business email? Well, one. Otherwise, you risk looking childish and unprofessional. So I guess our email guide Kirk will just have to refrain from using five exclamation points after his boom. <laughs> Number five, be careful with confidential information. Refrain from discussing confidential information in emails, such as someone's salary or passwords or really anything that would fall under a non-disclosure agreement. Should the email get into the wrong person's hands, you could face serious or even legal repercussions. So be smart. Number six, respond in a timely fashion. Unless you work in some type of emergency capacity, it's not necessary to be available the instant an email arrives. Depending on the nature of the email and the sender, responding within 24 to 48 hours is acceptable. Now I know some of you just freaked out and you're pretty shocked at that time frame, but give it a try. In my experience, pushing it beyond 48 hours can trigger some alarms, usually that the email got lost or ended up in a spam box somewhere, but anything up to that point is totally acceptable. Number seven, refrain from sending one-liners. Thanks, or oh, okay, don't really advance the conversation in any way. But 
feel free to put no reply necessary at the top of your email when you don't anticipate or need a response. At one of my last full-time positions, we used the acronym NNTR, no need to reply, at the end of any of our FYI emails. It was a nice way to give the reader permission to read and delete at their leisure. Number eight, avoid using shortcuts to real words, emoticons, jargon, or slang. Emails from grown-up real business people that use shortcuts such as the number for you instead of for you and gr and the number eight for great in business related emails well it's not acceptable or cool or dignified if you wouldn't put a smiley face or an emoticon on your business correspondence well you probably shouldn't put it in your email message either any of the above has the potential to make you look well less than professional and yeah you're trying to keep the mood light but yeah, there's other ways to do that. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Keep it clean. And no, I don't mean what you think I mean. Nothing annoys recipients more than when people reply and leave the messages all messy. For example, an email chain that includes excessive carets or pages and pages of email addresses that weren't protected using BCC. You can get rid of the carets by selecting the text, hitting Control F to use the find and replace command, and then replace them all with nothing. You can also get rid of the email addresses by, well, simply deleting them. Clean it up, then send it. And that includes cleaning up or updating my next point, which is number 10, be clear in your subject line. With inboxes being clogged by hundreds of emails a day, it's crucial that your subject line is meaningful, searchable, and isn't left over from three email threads ago. It should be reasonably simple and descriptive of what you have written about. A good rule to live by is to expect that any email with a vague or obscure subject line will get trashed. Also, proof your subject line as carefully as you would proof the rest of the email. Number 11. Don't get mistaken for spam. Avoid subject lines that are in all caps or all lowercase or that include URLs or <laughs> exclamation points, which all tend to look like spam to the recipient and to services such as Gmail. Number 12, I know I've already said it, but your subject line must match the message. Never open an old email, hit reply, and send a message that has nothing to do with the previous one. And do not hesitate to change the subject as soon as the thread or the content of the email changes. If you haven't guessed, this is a serious pet peeve of mine. If we aren't still talking about the wrong discount code getting sent out, then why does the subject line still say help? <laughs> Number 13. Provide a warning when sending large attachments. Okay, this point actually made me go back to that original post over at ink.com to see what year this was written in. And yeah, it was long enough ago that this may have been a real issue back then. But even though we barely blink these days at an attachment that is several megs, on our desktop computer anyway, some of us still have some pretty stingy data caps on our phones. So. Perhaps this is still worth keeping in mind, but I'm not going to dwell on it. So number 14, give your attachment a logical name. 
I mean, we've all experienced it, right? The attached file that is named rev3-1v2final.jpg. Now, I'm sure that was meaningful to the designer who is creating that lovely logo, but come on, when it's complete enough to be shared, give the file a logical name so the recipients know at a glance what the hell it is once they've saved it to their desktop or documents folder. Okay, I'm getting a little worked up. Have a sip of coffee. Hang on a sec. Okay, there we go. Number 15. Send or copy others only on a need-to-know basis. Now, before you put names in the CC or BCC lines, ask yourself the question, does this recipient need the information in this message? If they don't, well, don't be that guy. Take the time to send your messages to the right people and only the right people. Number 16, beware of the reply all. Just like I already said, don't hit reply all unless every member on the email chain actually needs to know the information in the email. I know it's easy to err on the side of, well, I'm not really sure who needs to know this, but sometimes it's pretty obvious. Do those people a favor and take them off the thread, well, before they actually have to ask themselves to be taken off, which can be embarrassing. Number 17. Pick up the phone, Skype, FaceTime, or whatever. When a topic has lots of parameters that need to be explained or negotiated and will generate too many questions and confusion, don't try to handle it via email. Also, email should not be used for anything last minute, like cancellations of meetings or lunches or interviews, and never, ever use it for devastating news. I mean, really, who raised you? Number 18. Evaluate the importance of your email. Don't overuse that high priority option. You know what? Actually, I'm gonna take it a step further. I'm gonna say don't even use the high priority option. If the subject matter of your email is so dang important that a descriptive subject line can't handle it, pick up the damn phone. Those tiny exclamation points next to the new mail icon usually indicates to me that someone is having a bad day and is trying to take me down with them. And I will not play that game, sister. Number 19. Maintain privacy. If you're sending a message to a group of people and you need to protect the privacy of your list, you should always use BCC. Before you blast everyone's email to your entire brunch chain, make sure the addresses that you are willingly handing over are actually yours to share. Number 20, keep it short and get to the point. Now this is something that email guy Kirk can get on board with. The long email is a thing of the past. Write concisely with lots of white space or paragraph breaks so as not to overwhelm the recipient. Make sure when you look at what you're sending, it doesn't look like a bummer to read. The person reading your email should not have to dig through several paragraphs in order to figure out what you're saying. Be clear and be upfront. Number 21. Know your audience. Your email greeting and sign-off should be consistent with the level of respect and formality of the person that you're communicating with. Write for the person who will be reading it. If they tend to be very polite and formal, well, write in that language. 
Now, this is where email guy Kirk may have to raise his game a little closer to the level of Jean-Luc if he doesn't want to end up being blocked. Number 22. Always include a signature. I mean, you never want someone to have to scrounge around to look up how to get in touch with you in some other way other than email. Include your phone number, and if you're social media savvy, include your social media information in your signature as well. Your email signature is a great way to let people know more about you, especially when your email address doesn't include your full name or your business name. And no, you don't need to put your email address in your signature. Or that crap about thinking about the environment before printing this email. I think we're all over that by now, right? Number 23. Only use an autoresponder with purpose. An automatic response that says, thank you for your email message. I will respond to you as soon as I can. Well, that is totally useless. If you're unlikely or unable to stick to our 24 to 48 hour rule, then, well, you may want to put that in your auto response. But otherwise, save it for your vacation. And number 24, train your staff. Business owners, you should make sure that your staff is trained in email communications. Don't assume they know what they're doing or what is considered acceptable in your industry. Set up email standards that everyone in your company should abide by, and that goes double for you millennials. Sorry, guys. Okay, now your homework. Get out a sticky note, a real sticky note, not a virtual one, and write on it with a pen or a pencil, number one, subject line, number two, CC, and number three, concise. Now, each time you send an email this week, before you hit send, look at that sticky note and make sure the subject line is useful, meaningful, and searchable. Check the CC or BCC field for anyone who does not need to be there. And finally, eliminate extraneous parts of that email that has the potential to obscure the message or cause the recipient to miss the request or information or even the general point of the email. Now, once this becomes habit, you can take that sticky note down off your monitor. But until then, leave that sticky note there so you can become the email ninja that I know you can be. Every email you send adds to or detracts from your reputation. If your email is scattered, disorganized, incongruous, or filled with mistakes, the recipient will be inclined to think of you as scattered, careless, and a disorganized person. And in this workplace world, other people's opinions matter, and their perception of you can be critical to your success. But at the same time, as I started this podcast out by saying, there is nothing wrong with being a little schizophrenic with your email personalities, as long as you remember who is the Jean-Luc and who is the Kirk in this electronic mail wonderland. Now, go make your emails rock. Workplace Hero is researched, written, narrated, and recorded by me, Brock Armstrong. Podcast logo by Ken Cunningham, and music by my old band, The Irregular Heartbeats. Show notes and transcription of this podcast can be found at workplacehero.me slash email. <laughs>